0: Hello, everyone. It is Jamie here with Madlet Musings, and today we have with us Tracy Peterson, a good friend of mine. Hey, Tracy. Hey. Thanks for <laughs> having me. Always, always, and, and I'm excited to have you because your book just came in the mail. I just got Wonderful. it.
1: Beautiful.
0: It's a beautiful cover.
1: Oh, it's a haunting cover. I it think is. it is very. I just it grabs you. It
0: does. It does. It grabs you, and your eyes just go into the story like instantly I was like oh this is good and then of course I can't remember the title so before we come out I'm like what's the name of the title and you're like remember me <laughs> I love Which I that found, I found kind of ironic I'm like oh yeah I should have probably like remembered tired that or anything. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I have nothing to remember in this life but so remember me is book one right in a new trilogy
1: yes in the Pictures of the Heart series.
0: Pictures of the Heart series. Yeah, that's right. And you mentioned that it was taking place in the Alaskan Yukon
1: or tell us more about that. It's taking place at a World's Fair in Seattle in 1909. And it's called the Alaska Yukon Pacific Exposition. And the Uh creators of this exposition or World Fair wanted to show the rest of the world about Alaska, about the Yukon, because... Just a few years you know this is 1909 mm-hmm. and so 10 years prior to this was the Yukon Gold Rush right and it had really put Seattle on the map because that's where everybody stopped to get all their supplies sure and you know take ships out of and whatnot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get to Alaska. And so yeah, it uh, was a neat setting and, and when I saw it I thought, oh I've got I got to deal with this <laughs> this is too much fun. So they had all these things, they they set up like uh, an Eskimo village, they brought oh, wow. natives down from Alaska and the Yukon, and they had all sorts of examples of like, you had to have a ton of goods to get up into Canada mm-hmm. to go to the Yukon, or the Mounties would turn you back around because a ton of goods equaled about a year's supplies. And oh, so, so like a literal get, ton. A literal ton. Okay. And so they had displays of that at the AYP. And they also had then, oh, they set up a Philippine village. And that was quite the scandal. This was part of the Pacific. Okay. Part of it.
0: Yeah. And All right.
1: It was quite the scandal though, because the natives were almost naked mm-hmm. and they ate dog. Oh, I'm not so. sure which is worse. I know, I know. But the people were just totally scandalized yet they all flocked there to see it. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: That's what humans do with scandal. We're scandalized right. and we have That's to true. see the scandal.
1: <laughs> but this, you know, this World's Fair had it had rides, it had food vendors and exotic foods as well as regular stuff, you know, and and just they had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on uh the landscaping and there was like over fifty thousand new plants planted for, you know, flowers and and arrangements wow. and whatnot, and this was all taking place on the campus that is today the University of Washington and was then too. Oh wow! And so they had made an agreement with the campus, uh, with the university, that they would provide, when they left, that two of the buildings would be permanent, whereas most of the buildings that were built were temporary. Okay. And so they built two and they did a lot of landscaping, had some fountains and things that, that they created that were permanent mm-hmm. and, uh, it benefited the university. Oh, quite yeah. A bit. yeah so, but the university that in return put its foot down and said, there will be no alcohol. And that was a rare, a rare thing for a world's fair. Joys. They, <laughs> you know, usually they knew beer was a big sales, right. you know, right. item, but not at this World's Fair is still extremely successful yeah. millions came
0: <laughs> well I guess when you have that much to see that at that time especially you don't have access to it's almost the question of is this even believable like does it really actually exist so I guess that would Absolutely. outweigh the the need for like, yes. liquor to be in your hand too Exactly.
1: now the thing <laughs> that was funny to me was they also had a reenactment exhibit of the Battle of Gettysburg What that had to do with the Alaska Yukon or Pacific, I have no idea, but it was there at the AYP. Interesting.
0: And that would have only been what, like 40
1: some years after the war. right? It it wasn't that long at all. Yeah. And uh, so people, people had all of these opportunities added to that. And and one of the focal points of my story, I created Mm -hmm. these girls called camera girls Um, and photography was just starting to really take off. And up into this time, if you wanted a picture of the family, you had to go to a studio. Sure. You know, you didn't have just a camera floating around in the house like we do today, or our phones that we could snap a quick pic, you know. And so these Kodak created the Brownie camera, I think in 1900, but they had fine-tuned it and made it more available and at a reasonable price of $10. Now that'd be about 500 now, but, you know, in contrast, you know, it was, it was just such a big deal. And people yeah. were thrilled and excited about this camera. So I thought, well, what if I create a photography shop that work, is vending there at the AYP? Mm-hmm. And they have these girls called camera girls. And they go out with their little brownie cameras and advertise Love them it. and take pictures of people for souvenirs. The brownie camera produced like a postcard size picture. Mm-hmm. So they would take pictures, take down the information, and then the people could come and pick up their souvenir picture. And so my my heroine characters throughout this series are I'm part the of the Camera Girl Association.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. That sounds like super fun. I love it. And I love that concept of the the fair too, because I, I always think about well, of course I'm from the Midwest. So mm-hmm. the Chicago State Fair or World Fair in Chicago is the big thing around here that is remembered from history. Sure. Um so I don't really think about anything out in the pacific northwest even having a world fair or major fair like that
1: exactly but they were all over i mean it, it's funny yeah. because a few years prior to this one there had been one in jamestown and it had been a huge flop
0: okay yeah oh, really
1: okay they said they had you know bad planners or whatever <laughs> but you know to imagine that kind of thing going on mm-hmm. nowadays you know we don't we have so much more access to yeah information about the world and, and right. play other places but people didn't back then right and this right. was like i'm gonna i'm gonna travel to seattle and i'm gonna see things about alaska or japan right. that was one of the big exhibits there was the japan, japan building and my book three will cover some of that stuff so okay. you know it was just so exciting for people who you know like you said you know probably hadn't been 50 miles outside of where they were born and raised you know right and so a lot of people made plans and and started the whole concept of vacation and and let's Mm -hmm. travel and go see this wonderful Mm -hmm. thing
0: oh that's so cool and then yeah you think about the fact too if cameras are just starting to become accessible you don't even have like the encyclopedia britannica to pull off your shelf and look at pictures of the philippines or alaska so really it's probably their first exposure unless they were to actually go there
1: probably so yeah
0: Yeah. interesting I just as you're talking I'm thinking because when I was um, little at our church and this in no way compares to the scope of that but when I was little our missions committee would set up booths we'd have a missions weekend at our church and they'd have booths where they set up the culture of where our missionaries were stationed. And then one every year on a Sunday, they would have the special foods from each area. And I remember as a kid how exciting it was because again, aging myself, but I didn't have the internet. There was no such thing as Google. So the Mm. only pictures I would see would be ones in the encyclopedia. So it was a way to take part in something culturally that otherwise didn't have an opportunity to be exposed to
1: exactly and so much fun I mean yeah um, such a neat thing to to be able to kind of touch that whole culture right Right. and see it face to face and that's kind of what I hope happens with the books too you know anytime that's it's one of the reasons I love historical I try to be as accurate as possible because I want to share that educational experience or whatever with the reader yeah. And I have a lot of homeschool moms who use my books to interest mm-hmm. their daughters in mm-hmm. history. <laughs> and so raising anyway. my
0: hand, I was yeah. raised on Tracy Peterson novels here, oh, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs>
1: <weird>. <laughs> but that that's why accuracy's always been important to me. And I go out of my way to try to make sure that I have several sources that all agree. It doesn't mean I don't make mistakes because I do. Yeah. And readers are more than happy to point it out. <laughs> But that's okay with
0: me, I don't mind, I do. Right, right, oh, that's fun, that's funny, I love that. And I I actually like it when I get an email from a reader questioning one of my historical facts, which my Uh books are far more imagined historical and yours are far more historically accurate. So let's (laughs) just throw that out there. But it is always kind of fun to see because then I'll go back and I'll like, wait a second. And sometimes I find out that the fact I'm being corrected on is actually a debatable fact. And
1: it can right. go either or. Yeah. Yes. Well, I had one reader who contacted me regarding the dairy and poultry farm that Kim Woodhouse and I created for our series set right. in Treasures of Nome. Mm-hmm. And she said, this is this would be impossible. The logistics would be a nightmare. There is no way there was a poultry and chicken farm. And I wrote her back and I said, the logistics were a nightmare. And here's some pictures of the actual poultry yeah. and chicken farm. You know, uh dairy and and poultry farm that was there and i said and it was amazing because you know can you imagine trying to keep cows and chickens fed through Mm -mm. nine months of winter you know and and whatnot and she was so sweet she wrote back and she said thoroughly chastised (laughs) oh (laughs) so i don't mind readers sending me notes sometimes Mm -hmm. i'm wrong sometimes you know i'm usually Mm -hmm. right because i've spent a lot of hours yeah doing my research yeah.
0: But yeah and i think that's the thing with historical writers is they're definitely not flippantly creating history
1: yeah.
0: um if they're a conscientious historical author i should add right
1: but well that's why i have some you know i have some major issues with the recreated history that that mm-hmm. is sometimes being told and yeah. Agreed. i think it's so important that we remember our history mm-hmm. and that we understand. Maybe is a good way to say why it happened in the first place, right? You know, right? Yep. So yeah. So that we don't repeat it, and uh,
0: right. And I I'm think that... a, you know, oh,
1: I'm well. not afraid of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And I think I was going to say too. I think that shock value, that offensive mm-hmm. element to history, is important. And I notice it more and more as my kids are getting into american history and my son is moving into um the origins of slavery in the united states and the civil war and this was the second week now he's come out and just been completely and utterly appalled Mm -hmm. and horrified and offended at humanity and i say i've told him i said embrace that offense so that you don't ever repeat these errors and these atrocities Exactly. And it's been it's been really important for him to see. And so, yeah, I agree. I think history needs to be told exactly the way it was happened. And uh, yes. hopefully we can be offended at what needs to be offended by. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, Jamie hopping off the soapbox on history. But <laughs> so tell us a little bit. You have a character in Remember Me who is going through her own personal struggle
1: in this story, too. So tell us right. bit about that. The heroine of this story is Addie Bryant, and she met Isaac Hansen in the Yukon when her father and brothers had uh, decided they were going to go there and make their fortune, that kind of thing. Her father and brothers were not nice people, though. Okay. And eventually, right at the beginning of the story, you learn that she gets sold to a uh, brothel owner. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get sold into prostitution, but it's bad enough. You know, she's yeah. in the mix of all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. and at first you know she's sold to him later he marries her but you know all the things that she experiences and and that's put upon her are not her fault right she is a victim very much of circumstance and of the people in her life that she should have been able to trust Mm -hmm. but didn't Mm -hmm. didn't find that in their relationship and so years later she's still bearing the burden she doesn't feel that she's worthy for love she doesn't Mm -hmm. feel she's entitled to be loved. Mm-hmm. And she's carrying all of this with her that was never hers to carry. Mm. And so she's wrestling with a relationship with God and trying to figure out how this affects her, how she can ever be redeemed from the past. Yeah, And of course, Isaac comes back into her life after having left the Yukon to go to college and they had pledged that they're undying love and he's been looking <laughs> for her. But she's been hiding because she doesn't feel yeah. she's entitled to to have a life with Isaac, yeah. and he doesn't care. He's already found out about the things because he's talked to her, her brothers and other people, mm-hmm. and he knows. But she doesn't realize that he knows, mm. and so it's a battle of the past versus, yeah. you know, hopes for the future.
0: Right. And
1: it, to me, um, at the time I was writing the story, I had some people in my life who were going through that very issue, and so you know, watching how they were dealing with the things that they felt and, and, you know, helping to counsel about, you know, using God's word of letting go of the past and, you know, of giving it all to him, Mm -hmm. laying it at the altar and just giving Mm. it to Jesus. And, you know, that those are the things that were nailed to the cross and you don't have to carry those. Yeah. And so those kind of things come out in the story to a certain degree. And, you know, hopefully it will touch the lives of the readers as they struggle with that very same issue. Mm-hmm. And I've already had some people contact me and let me know that mm-hmm. that's exactly what it's doing. So I'm excited. I'm yeah. you know, really excited to see where God takes this because writing for me has always been a ministry. Mm-hmm. It's my mission field. And you know, my desire is to share the gospel message and then biblical encouragement. Yeah. And so I love, love seeing what God is going to do with the books.
0: Mm. It is so exciting because, you know, when I think about the concept of being a victim of other people's choices
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in a sense, almost being the consequence of other people's choices. Right. And then how do you get from that point of, you know, it, I guess I'm thinking, one, how do you get to the point where you're thinking you actually need forgiveness for something that you didn't do? Yes. And then two, how do you get past the point of realizing that you really don't need forgiveness for something you didn't do, and exactly. you can let it go and move ahead? And that, I think, is something a lot of people are going to relate to.
1: I do. I, I, yeah. I think so, too. And, you know, especially in a world that is teaching people to almost embrace their victim. Mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. You know, there is such a bondage in that that mm-hmm. is so deceptive. Mm-hmm. And I think that that comes straight from the pit. <laughs> you know, I right. think that, that Satan loves nothing better than to make us feel bound right, and useless and right. that we have nothing to offer because we're worthless. Right. And so, you know, to me, it's one of the biggest deceptive lies that he promotes out there. And I want people to go beyond being mm-hmm. anybody's victim, right? I want them to thrive and not just survive, yeah. but to really, you know, blaze forth in glory. I mean, mm-hmm. God's got plans for everybody.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I have um, a friend of mine, her daughter is is in the children's hospital right now going through some really tough physical things. And um, it's been a struggle. And one of the things that was impressed on me the other day, as I was praying for her, I was thinking, it's not necessarily something I would say to her now, but I was thinking, wow, Lord, you really have big plans for this kid because of what she's going through, those troubled waters, so to speak. Sure. Um, It stinks to go through them and it's it's horrific in so many levels, but at the same time, I'm like, that seems to be what God does though, is take people through those turbulence right. Um, and those awful times and then if put in a proper perspective and if able to view through his eyes and for his glory how he uses you in the future for amazing
1: things that you just don't expect it's so true because i remember going through a really horrific thing when i was much younger Mm -hmm. and just all but raising my fist to god and saying Mm. you could have stopped this yeah and almost hearing verbally, God say, Yeah, I could have. Now what are you going to do with me? Oh wow. Yeah, those are the kind of those are the kind yeah. of things God says to Tracy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and it, it's really one of those things you do have to come to that point and say, yeah, okay, either I trust you or I don't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when these bad things happen, these horrific things, these things that we don't choose. Yeah. Oh goodness then then where is god in that and how do we respond is he right. still a loving god
0: right right you know. right that's the problem with the question of evil you know if god's yeah. a loving god why is there evil in the world and mm-hmm. we're not going to solve that on the podcast today but we not might give today. you some coping maybe techniques
1: next maybe next
0: time <laughs> next time tracy and jamie solve all of the deep questions of the christian faith <laughs> and this is the last episode no i'm just <laughs> Madness musings has gone off the air, uh, <laughs> but no, I do. It, it is interesting though because, it, it trying to explain it to my kids, it's it's difficult when they ask questions like that, like why did why did nanny have to die, or why why, why did my pet have to die, or why would mm-hmm. God allow that to happen? And I always come back to the concept that this world is a shadow of eternity, which is the complete immersion in the glory and perfection of who God is. And because we live in a broken world, this world isn't fixed yet. It is in the process of being redeemed. And so we're going to go and cut our feet on those broken pieces as we walk toward eternity and where God wants us to go and so I have told my kids hunger after the why because as you hunger after the why you start hungering after what God has truly intended which is a return to Absolutely. the world as he originally created it without and sin who he and really is who he really is yeah. exactly so I love it I love that you're tackling this theme in your book too, because man, there are so many people. And unfortunately, as the years go by, it seems there's more and more people that have been victimized and struggle with carrying that guilt, even
1: though it's not theirs. Right. And the thing is, these bad, evil things have been going on to people forever. Yeah. But now we're starting to talk about it and Mm -hmm. let it be out there and Mm -hmm. in fact, you know, vomited all over everything
0: in some ways,
1: you know, right. and the thing is it's always been there and some yeah. have suffered in silence and some have mm-hmm. suffered with shouts and and accusations and and made it very clear what they expected but the fact of the matter still goes back to the core of what do you do with that yeah how do you go to the to the right and 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 glorify god and find ways to draw closer to him and to benefit others with your knowledge and what you've gone through or do you or do you go into the bitterness and the anger and the ugliness that satan finds you know effective for his purposes right and there really isn't a middle road anymore
0: Mm -mm. no there isn't there isn't and the one road that i am finding is like this little crossroads that's starting to branch off the negative one of bitterness Mm -hmm. is also the pride in being a victim, which is something that blows my mind. And I haven't even wrapped my head around it, but it's that concept of I'm a victim and here's my crown. I shall wear it proudly. And I feel that's almost offensive to people who have been truly victimized. I do too. Because it's not a crown.
1: Well, like, you know, when everybody's a victim. Right. you know. Right.
0: Yeah. That's your status symbol. Now I'm going to figure out a way that I was somehow victimized so I can join the club. It's like, no, no, right. that's not what it's meant for. So,
1: yeah. All so right, in, you know, in this story, I mm-hmm. hope that I have dealt with some of that and given people, yeah. you know, at least a little hopeful biblical encouragement. Right. That will help them through their times or even through somebody else's that they they're dealing with right because that's what you know we're to bear one another's burdens mm. and that doesn't mean we lay down and wallow in them right it means we bear them and we
0: bear them mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's something too and this is where i have to even personally work on is that pharisaical judgment too of people yes. who have come out of raw pasts and then they walk into church and they don't fit potentially the stereotype or whatever it may be. And you draw conclusions based off of whether they've been victimized or made their own choices either way. Right. Um, and that ostracizes them from finding that grace.
1: Or we're still that list of sins mm-hmm. that can't be forgiven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That people are just so, you know, we'll forgive these sins because they're not quite as ugly, but right. you did these things over here and we just can't go there with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: so, yep. Yep, Exactly. And it's so interesting, too, I think partially because I've been writing dual time, I'm starting to see how generations prior really affect the generations to come.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you don't
0: realize it. And so when you look at even I mean, it sounds crazy to say, but even some of the, the the criminals that I've researched, I've told friends, I said, it's it's funny how a little piece of me has empathy because you can see why they became the wicked yes. they became because they were victims of their parents abuse who are victims of their parents abuse and it's just this right. horrid thread that runs through a family and eventually snaps in sheer wickedness um yeah yep. well we went we went deep here that was
1: well that's okay you that know was, i think yeah. we're called to go deep <laughs>
0: Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. So I can assume that at the end of Remember Me, we are going to have a happily ever after.
1: Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Because you know, the greatest love story ever written is the Bible, and we are definitely going to have a happily ever after. Yes. So I like to emulate that in all of my books.
0: (laughs) I think that's wonderful. So (laughs) for the readers that are listening, go out and get Remember Me. It's book one of Pictures of the Heart. It's written by Tracy Peterson. And if you don't know who she is we need to have a long conversation because she's one of my favorite people.
1: <laughs> they can go to my website and find out who I am. Yeah. It's just tracypeterson.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: great. I had a call start coming in while we were talking and my earphones were apparently connected to my phone. So I heard just a little um, bit of what you said, but.
1: I was just letting people know they could, they could come and, and learn all about me Perfect. at my website, so.
0: Perfect, so I won't ask you to repeat it. <laughs> awesome awesome well tracy thank you so much for being with us today and continue to write because i think god is doing great things through the stories that you tell
1: well thank you very much jamie and you too your books have been very powerful and i hope you'll continue to write for a long time (laughs)
0: lord willing that will be the journey all right (laughs) all right Thank you for listening to MadLit Musings. You can find out more information about MadLit and all that it has to offer at MadLitMentoring.com. That's MadLitMentoring.com, or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at JamieWrightBooks.com.